When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This podcast, this podcast, this podcast is Intel Enhanced. I am recording. Um, hi. Hi. Yeah, we were just discussing John Candy there, the uh, the slightly chubby American comedy actor. Oh, gosh, um, funny. He was great, wasn't he? What else was he in? Well, Cool Runnings, of course, which is when he died. Of course. He died uh, during the making of that. Oh, did he? Yeah, so I don't think he ever saw it finished. Uh, I think it was another one of those very sad stories. Well, not if he died when it was being made. We're going to talk about now, because I think they had to use the back of somebody else's head in a few shots. <gasps> Not his. Could be wrong about that. But um, also, of course, planes, trains, and automobiles, which yes, is a fantastic, so good. Movie, isn't it? You know, uh, we watched that not that long ago, me and the boys, and it still stands up. Still very funny. It's very heartwarming, isn't it? At the end, and you realise that he's he's not got any body. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, Michael. Uh, um, yeah. We, <laughs> um, God Almighty. I can cry at but any these, But at the moment, so do I. And you know that I'm not generally like that, but I've definitely um, mm. found that recently. I'm just letting you know that the doorbell has gone. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to go and get the door? Um, I don't. It? I mean, that's nothing compared to what's going on in this house. I have a drummer actually drumming drums in the living room of my tiny terraced house. What now? Yeah, you probably can't hear. There's a hi hat tapping away in the background, and Gavin and Stacey's on at full blast. Hang on, Sonny, could you turn the TV down? Thanks. And then maybe take the dog for a walk would be great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting any words. I'm just getting like physical reaction, <laughs> physical repulsion. Now you've taken a headphone out there. Am I too loud in your ears or something? Not at all. Oh. But I can't hear myself. And I end up, I'm turning you up a bit. Um, Why can't you hear I end up feeling like I'm cut off from the entire world and Ooh. I can't hear my, my own voice. My God, this is so interesting because we've mentioned two things already that lead straight into two things that I'm going to review. Oh, uh, okay. Um, well, let's, let's crack on. Yeah. Well, wait. No, I okay. want to know how you are. I'm checking in with you. Uh, yeah. I've, I mean, what day is it today? It's Tuesday. So... Um, I've, I'm trying to treat weekends like weekends. This was your advice, actually, was to say, well, Monday to Friday, you know, we get up at whatever it is, seven, seven thirty, eat breakfast, try and work out, and work till six, and then at the weekends, kind of do nothing. So I did that over the weekend. I had a really nice weekend, um, yeah. and and then Monday came round, and it just felt like a bloody Monday, you know. And I, yeah. I tried to work out yesterday, but I just, oh, sorry, I just couldn't bring up the motivation to do it at all um and then today i had the same problem um but i've been out and done a 5k run wow mm. i just feel so much better like it's very weird how you talk yourself out of doing something you know full well is good for you what the hell is that all about you know 
um it's it's bizarre so yeah i feel very perky now but um i was up to the point i went i was pretty depressed i mean not actually depressed mm. you just think oh for god's sake i've got to go and run but yeah i feel great um and the sun is out i've had a little chinwag with my neighbors we all stood in the street for 20 minutes and had a quick chat and that was very nice but contact with some other human beings um so yeah i'm all right i've had a lamb sandwich for me lunch now I don't like sandwiches unless the filling is hot. I like a hot filling in my sandwich. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so I made two lamb steaks on the barbecue and put them in a crusty ciabatta with mayonnaise and mint sauce, lettuce. Oh, it's my favorite lunchtime snack. Yeah. Lamb in ciabatta with mint sauce sounds amazing yeah so basically you get you get like two teaspoons of mayonnaise and a teaspoon of mint sauce and mix that together so you get like a minty mayonnaise and then you smear that inside the bread mm. stick the lettuce leaves onto it then chuck in the hot lamb cut it in half chuck it straight in your mouth bingo do you cut fat off your lamb no fat's the best bit fat is flavor right i heard no. that on the radio once Someone said it, and I thought, that sounds great. I'm going to do that. No. Just eat all the fat. Lamb fat is no. my favorite fat. <laughs> if I get a lamb chop, and it's got that rind of fat that goes around it, and that's all crispy, and then when you bite into it, all the juicy fat pours out of it. That's my dream. It's my dream fat. <laughs> <laughs> the dog is salivating as I say it. Um, so my dog's too fat at the moment, so he's on a diet. She's on a diet, even. Um, but I'm not, I'm not giving in. She just keeps looking at me like, what the hell, dad? What the hell? Give me some fat. They learn bad tricks very quickly. And then it's really hard to get them to unlearn them. I mean, this is coming from the person who literally is suffering so badly with her dog and it's terrible behavior at the table. She's so naughty mm. and her head is at table height. Yeah, I mean, I don't have that. It's terrible. I mean, at least your dog can't get to the table. No. Bo's head is at the table. She just yes. sits there begging. Oh, drop the glasses. Um, yeah, I, and I, I mean, I, I frequent, you know, I've, I've met the dog, Bo, and uh, she, yeah. she is, she loves human food, right? I mean, just loves mm, it. She does. So, um, do so yeah, I'm trying to retrain this dog out of, out of liking human food. Um, so I'm pretty good, but how are you? Um, I am, I am okay. I've got the same thing, sort of, uh, the weekends are lovely, although the weekends for me are cleaning, like there's just a lot of cleaning to do. Um, and I, I, I've got this weird thing at the moment, um, which might sound a bit alien to people. Or I'd be quite interested to know if anybody else felt like this, that I'm a bit frightened of freedom. Like I've suddenly got a bit like, well, I, I'm a bit, I feel a bit safe now. I'm in the house. I know what I'm doing. This is what we do with the kids. It's quite stressful. It's all quite difficult, but it's what I know now. And I'm frightened of change and things are going to change and we can go out again. And is it going to change for the worse? Am I going to feel sad that we're not in lockdown? <laughs> and I mean, I'm going to talk about this podcast that I was listening to earlier, but I just felt very comforted. I listened to a podcast earlier that really comforted me because it made me realize that I'm not insane with these weird thoughts. That no, no, 
not at all. I think that's quite completely common. normal, isn't it? Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Because this idea that actually freedom is not actually very good for you because you're not very good to yourself. I don't mean you, but people generally, you know, they'll drink too much or smoke too much or not exercise and eat too much bad food, watch too much TV, sit down too much. You know, like if you were free to do whatever you wanted to do, then what, what would you actually do? And that's what this situation is like an enormous global social experiment where we are just left with our own devices. And um, it's hard to know whether it's good for us or not. I don't think it is. I think having a job is fantastic. Having routine and responsibilities are some of the best things you can do with your life. And um, if, if, once you remove all those things and you said, well, you can do what you like, Jesus, it's not. I, I agree. I struggle with um, freedom and mm. I like a routine and I mm. like knowing that I'm working and I love having the weekends off. But this sort of not quite knowing what my week's looking like mm -hmm. or what is going on is very confusing. But I have, I don't know, it's like weird. I just, I don't know what's coming. Yeah. Um, well, I think somebody had said around the corner. Having freedom means you become a slave to your vices. Um, and that really resonated with me because uh, too much. But what are you saying about freedom when you're talking about freedom? Are you talking about freedom yes. in the house in lockdown? Are you talking about freedom in life? I think freedom in life. If you were given an infinite amount of money where you didn't have to work or do anything you didn't want to do. So you were free to do whatever you liked. You, you know, the, the chances of you being fulfilled and happy, I think, are quite slim. Yeah, very. I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a good thing. But all. when I'm talking about freedom, I don't mean that. I think I, I, I mean, you mean being freedom let out to go back to house. work, don't you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just feel a bit. Um, I hope I don't become completely overwhelmed with work. Yeah. Because I'm so used to a different pace of life, and my work now is sort of you know manual around the house cooking. It's a different work, and it's, yeah. it's you know it's exhausting too. But I know you. You know, I know you reasonably well, I would say um, that. You know me very well. Yeah, yes. Um, like really, really well. <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah, okay. So I know you really well. Um, so I don't think you're, you're going to have a problem. I think you're just going to replace all the work that you're doing now with other work. And then the work that you're doing now, you know, will get picked up. So I, 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 I think you're going to be fine. You're okay. a worker, basically. You know, you, I am a worker. A I, I like working. Yeah, and I'm then you'll just organise uh, the work into Organizing. getting it done. So I don't. Okay. I, I actually I'm going to get it done. I think you're going to be fine. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I mean, I hope this isn't giving that to, away too much mm -hmm. about you and me. But okay. um, I have always found talking to you so unbelievably comforting, and never have I found you more comforting to listen to than now? Oh, great. So whenever I go into a kind of, right, that's it, like this is yeah. dreadful or I'm crying, I just call you and you go, okay, it's like this. It's going to be like this. You're like this and you're going to be like this. And I go, okay, I'm going to be like that. I literally like, you literally <laughs> stop me dead in my tracks. I go, okay, we're going to be oh, fine. Well, like, I'm so, you're so, you've got the key to ah. unlock my peace of mind. Oh, so well. you just put the key in, yeah. turn it around. It's not even like you have to turn it around again and again and again. I just go, okay, yeah. Thanks. Oh, well, great. that's a great compliment that you've paid me there. Thank you. I'm very delighted that I can do that. Well, thank you. Quite key. Um, 
so going back to actors dying before they get to see oh movie, yes um, I know what you're going to talk about this yes. is so good now we mentioned this in one of our lives I think but I don't think we mentioned it in the actual podcast is that right no no so the deer hunter is become available on the BBC iPlayer which everybody should have the iPlayer so this is essentially free viewing um presumably you've all paid for your TV license and it's just a brilliant film but um we talked about it in the live podcast and a lot of people watched it lots of people messaged us saying it's a bit long <laughs> and a few people said oh my god it's too harrowing i can't watch the rest of it um but it's, it's quite funny good. how we came we came to it because yes. you you have in the past talked about um the vietnam war documentary yes. and recommended it to everybody that 10 part documentary and um I had recommended watching The Deer Hunter to you. Mm. Um, it was a film that I, it was probably the first film that I, I finished watching that stayed with me for weeks afterwards mm. and that I watched maybe four or five times yeah. to just go over it again or to show friends of mine mm. um, so that we could discuss it. It was, it was both harrowing and deeply moving and affecting. Anyway, and then your best friend recommended it to you. Yes, he rang me up and he said, do you want to watch The Deer Hunter one night? You know, we'll just do, we'll just press play at exactly the same time and we'll watch it. And, and then, and you said the same. I was like, so are you two speaking to each other or something? This is very weird. Um, but the three of us all decided we would queue it up, right? And all press play at exactly the same time, 10 to 9. And we watched it non-stop. You didn't even get up to make a cup of tea. I did not even get up to make a cup of tea or go which, to the loo or anything. I was gripped. Which is unheard of. Unheard of for me. Yeah. Arctic monkeys there uh, just for those um, that didn't know. Just very quickly, want to say to anybody that's listening, quickly get a pen and paper. Yeah, good idea. Get Start a pen and writing. paper make some notes. Or if you're listening on the Entail app, there are things to look at there. So... Uh, have a look at your phone when you get a little pulse or a little notification. You can see what we're talking about. Um, so anyway, it was great that we all did that because it felt like we were having a collective experience, which is something that we're lacking, I think, in this lockdown situation, isn't totally. it? Totally. Um, um, so it's a big film. You know, it, it goes on for, I think it's just shy of three hours. This is a remastered version that's now up there. And it's about um, a gang of uh, four or five men that work in the steelworks, and three of them have been drafted to go to Vietnam and they're very excited about going as people were back then. The film spans from 1967 to 1975. It rates very high on IMDb, um, I think about an 8.2 or something like that. It was directed by a guy who'd only ever really directed one of the film before and he went on to direct one of the film that was a massive flop. And you might oh, not know this, but he, he went on to, to make this film called Heaven's Gate and Heaven's Gate... Oh, I remember Heaven's Gate. Okay, well... They spent. Is that with what? I can't remember who's Warren Beatty. I mean, let me have a quick Warren look. Warren Beatty. But um, uh, what what's happened uh, to that term Heaven's Gate is that if you make a film now that's an absolute turkey, uh, oh people, God, people call it a Heaven's Gate. Um, so that's well, they that's might what, change that to a cat's. Uh, yes, you could well be right. You might manage to escape. Um, oh, I've just typed it in. Heaven's Gate is a religious group. <laughs> uh, let me put an IMDb. Um, uh, got it. Um, yeah, epic Michael Western film. Um, uh, Chris Christopherson, Christopher Walkden again, John Hurt, Sam Waterston. 
Yeah, I mean, I mean like, amazing cast. Exactly. And I think they threw huge amount of money at it. It went well over budget. It was an epic. God, have you seen how long it is? Have a guess. No, no don't have a guess. Three hours, 39 minutes. No. And it only scores 6.8. I mean, it's the worst set of statistics for oh, any no. film you could put me in front of. Um, Mickey Rourke's in it. William Dafoe. Yeah, it might be worth a little, Don't hurt. a little look just to see what happened. But anyway, it I was know. a huge flop. And, and Michael Cimino, or Camino, um, went on. His career just ended, basically, there. I don't think he really did anything after that because nobody trusted him anymore. But the deer hunter, what a... That's quite sad in a way because, I mean, my God, I've presented some turkeys, but I've still been allowed to come back and... Yeah. Well, I don't um... know if you know this, but Spielberg's career nearly ended after a film he did, I think, called... No, 1941, he made a film, a comedy with John Belushi. as well. It bombed and nobody would give him any work. And George Lucas managed to talk him into doing the Indiana Jones films and that relaunched his career. But up until that point, Spielberg says in, in a documentary, I thought I was done. Nobody would touch me with a barge pole. So it was isn't... that when George Lucas and him had yes. the wager? Was it about the Raiders film? Uh, no, um, Spielberg had made Jaws. And uh, George Lucas had made Star Wars and they swapped each other's points on the film. So, so from Star Wars, Spielberg gets the money and from Jaws, uh, I think he gets the money. So Spielberg got a much better deal, but they thought he both did. their films were so bad that they said, I'll take your points. And, and they said, go on then, I'll do that. Anyway, it couldn't work at all after that. And um, uh, uh, George Lucas said, I, I, I really want you to, to direct indie. So... Spielberg had nothing else to do and thought, well, it might be a chance to re reason. How great is Yeah, that? it's fantastic. But, you know, even after making Jaws, which was the most successful film in the world at that point, you know, people didn't want to touch him. It's mm. a brutal business. All the creative industries are pretty brutal. All the creative industries. Yeah. And if you present a turkey, yeah. then you are tarnished but in some way and it's hard to come back. The interesting thing about you is you passed a point, I think, where you could get away with a turkey because you were so... Really? Highly. Well, you did, right? Well, only just because Davina yeah. uh, was perceived as possibly my worst turkey. Mm -hmm. And I remember saying when I was receiving an award on behalf of Big Brother at yeah. the National Television Awards, um, uh, I might have presented a turkey, but it's nice to be back with the golden goose. Well done. Um, because I, like I went straight... Yeah. from finishing Davina to the final series of Big Brother. And if I hadn't had that, oh, you think I, you know, maybe... I finished on a massive high with Big yeah. Brother. It was amazing. Yeah. If I hadn't had that, my yeah. career very well could have nosedived. I was very lucky. That was a brilliant comment to make, though. Uh, where was that, at the BAFTAs? To, uh, NTAs. The, the NTAs. It's funny, isn't it? You know, you can uh, you can turn these things around. People can then empathise with you quite well done. Um, but Thanks. yeah, you know, Thanks. it is it is interesting that, that some people can get away with it and some people just just um, flounder around and then disappear. You know, but um, congratulations on your fantastic career. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So back to the deer hunter. Well, there's a character um, or there's an actor in it called Oh God. John Cazell, and he sadly had cancer through in the making of the film and died. I didn't know it. this. Yeah, it's amazing. When you it? told me that, it um, is. When, um, when you watch it, it's interesting. Like you said, you can see he's not well. Yeah, you can, can't you? So when you watch the film, you'll notice the guy with a very high forehead, big receding hairline, his hair's all slicked back. 
you've seen him in lots of things because he had the most amazing career. He was in the Godfather films, mm. I think, and a lot of Francis Ford Coppola films. He had the most brilliant career in all these huge movies and then sadly died. There's a really interesting story around that the, the studio wouldn't insure him on the film, so De Niro paid for his insurance to keep him in the movie. Isn't that amazing? Um, Meryl Streep threatened to walk, I believe, off set unless they kept him on. You know, they really got... But weren't, were they in a relationship? You told me this. I think you'd done some research on this, or maybe it was no, Andy, and he'd said that Meryl Streep was actually in a romantic relationship with him when they made it and she nursed him through to his death. Um, I think that was um, Andy told you that. Oh, okay. I mean, that's extraordinary. Oh, isn't it? You know, um, the deer hunter. Yeah, um, Christopher Walton, John Cazell. Yeah, so you'll recognise John Cazell straight away if you're if you're even remotely interested in films. He's been in so many things. Anyway, I, it's a cracking film. It's free to watch. You've got time on your hands. Just absolutely immerse yourself in you know the the work because. That wedding scene, there's this like, it's like an hour's wedding scene. Oh. It's so joyous and so full of happiness and life. And, and of course, that's the idea because the scene after that is then in Vietnam. But it's... Um, but I also felt brilliant. like that the wedding scene was the perfect way to set up us completely understanding everybody's character and how they all related to each other. So you saw the guy that owned the bar. He mm. was just the really happy-go-lucky, nothing mattered, yeah. you know, life and soul of the party. Whereas Robert De Niro's character was the sort of strong, stable, I'm not going to dance, I'm not going to act a fool, I'm just going to stand to one side. Clearly rather obsessed with Meryl Streep. Yeah, Christopher Walken, sexy, moody, oh. you know. Well, like you said, um, like Bowie, like an early David Bowie. He looked mm. so slender and kind of cool, wasn't he? Mm. Um, I totally agree about the De Niro character. It's so well-formed and you understand so much about him throughout the film. Um, it's, it's, you know, you can see why he's just such a fantastic actor. Every scene he's in is brilliant. Well, when you think about how old the really classic movies are and they, they get rewatched again and again and yeah. again and they are still brilliant. Yeah. What an amazing thing to be able to do to create a piece of um, art that you can watch and enjoy for time yeah. immemorial. Like Isn't The Deer it? Hunter hasn't aged at all. I mean, you could... Yeah, because even some of the bloody scenes in it, it, you know, they're still quite shocking and quite graphic. Yes. And, oh, my God. Know. I mean, the, 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 I'm not going to do a spoiler alert, but the yeah. first scene in Vietnam is mm. so harrowing. Yeah. And um, when you think about Russian roulette, you just see that scene. And even as a child, yeah. that, I think I, I, I stumbled across that in the VCR when I was about 12. And you think, oh, that's what Russian roulette looks like. I mean, I, mean I, oh. I, I don't think any kids nowadays, because it's not anywhere. Nobody would know what Russian roulette was, but I no. think all of our generation knew what it was from that movie. Yeah. And I, I remember the Russian roulette scene with Christopher Walken. Y yes. Later. With the red band. I didn't remember the first one, which is, yeah. to me, much worse. <sighs> I, I potentially maybe blocked it out or something, but yeah. it's horrific what they go through. And... And the way that they are pushed mentally to breaking point. Yeah. Oh, God. 
Um, it's anyway, brilliant. it was and a great watch. Everybody's got to watch it. Yeah, you should. And especially if you're watching the Vietnam documentary as well, because it fits in. You can almost work out at what point in, in the war they are, because there's a bit where they, they fly into the American embassy while everybody's trying to leave from the roof, which is a fam very famous kind of moment during the war, that the, the, the exodus of Saigon. And they come in during that, which is fiction, obviously, but um, you get to see this mass evacuation of Saigon, and then he goes to find Christopher Walken. Sorry, my neighbours next door are, are fitting a kitchen, so I don't know if you can hear the sound or not, but that's... Just had a little bit. It was fitting. fine. Um, so anyway, yes, you're absolutely right. The Deer Hunter, the Eye Player, you know, if you, it, it's a bit of nostalgia if you watched it 20, 30 years ago. The music as well by John Williams is fantastic. God, the music was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it's just a great all-rounder. So it gives us great pleasure to, uh, to offer you uh, that little nugget um, of art to watch. Um, I did something very unexpected this mm -hmm. week. So um, somebody, uh, a friend of mine, I think it was um, Donna Rare, who I've known for 30 years. And um, Donna sent me this thing saying, oh, I'm going to watch this play or this read on Saturday night. Anybody fancy joining me? So I thought, yes, I do. Um, so I looked it up and it was an event bright uh, uh event it's not know if you've heard of them but they are they have, like yes. an events yeah. company eventbright.co.uk and the uh, well so am i and the, it's really a good idea to get on these companies uh email list because it means that you hear about events that are coming up that potentially you might otherwise miss and a remote read this is one subscription that you want to be part of yeah these are the emails that are good to get, the culture emails. <laughs> but obviously these businesses like Eventbrite and stuff, they must be going mad because there are no events. So they're trying to find events that they can run remotely. Um, and there are lots of quite interesting events. If you go on their page, mm -hmm. there are things like um, a virtual lighting design jam, um, maintaining innovation as a remote team, um, acceleration resilience series webinar boost your team's remote productivity there's lots of seminars and talks and stuff that you can sign up to that might be interesting if you've got a business however I signed up to something cultural which was it was called a remote read and it's a series of plays developed and produced entirely remotely in mm -hmm. lockdown obviously and this was called a separate piece now whenever I hear about something or I'm going to go and see something. Do you remember when we went to the opera? I do, yes. And before we went, we read up about the story because even when they've got the subtitles, it's really handy to know yeah. what on earth is going on because even if they're singing in English, mm -hmm. I know I sound like a Philistine, but even when they're singing in English, sometimes it's quite hard to understand. You know, I you're totally, like, what? I totally hey, what? Agree. So I if you've got an... Go on. Well, uh, unless you go to the opera a lot and you can tune yeah. into the language and the way yeah. they use the language, I think it's very hard, actually. Yeah, so yeah. I, to I totally agree. Yeah. So when we went, because we kind of knew the story and we knew what was happening, it was good. We, mm. we, we got it and there was dancing and everything. So it was really, it was an amazing. I loved that night. Yeah, it was great. Oh, it was great. So we, um, so I thought I'm going to read up about this before, before I go in. So mm -hmm. it was called A Separate Piece. Piece as in... Um, Peace Offering, P-E-A-C-E, -E, oh, okay. um, by Tom Stoppard. And 
it was actually written in 1965. <laughs> but they'd adapted it for now mm -hmm. by doing it via Zoom. So the whole play was coming to you via Zoom. But it was so um, apt for now. It was, it was weird. So when you sign up for it, you just wait. And then on the day of the play, you get sent your Zoom thing. I mean, it's yeah. really exciting. It's a bit like secret cinema. You know, when you yeah. feel like you're going to something, yeah. nobody else knows about it. And it's really <laughs> exciting. And you've got the Zoom thing. And um, so the story is, so basically it says doors open on your, on your invite. It says doors open at 6.35. Mm -hmm. And you will not be able to join before 6.35. Um, please uh, come early. Yeah. And when you join, there's a sort of holding page and it says, welcome, this is the cast. It tells you all the cast. So it had Jenna Coleman, Denise Goff, David Morrissey, Maggie Service and Ed Stoppard in it. It was directed by Sam Yates. So big, quite heavy yes. hitters, right? Like yeah. big acting actors in it. And it was all for charity. Um, so the money was going to the Felix Project, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But this idea of being in a holding page, and I was sat there, I had my computer on my lap, my cup of tea in my hand, I had some little nibbles, and it said, you know, um, curtains <laughs> up in 10 minutes, curtains up. I took some photographs of it because I was so excited. Uh, really? It felt so exciting mm. to be part of a group cultural experience that we were all doing live mm -hmm. together that wasn't a business meeting on Zoom. And so the play was, David Morrissey plays this guy, um, the lead in it, John Brown. He arrives at a private hosp hospital and he's perfectly well. And he's booked to stay at this private hospital. He's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with him. And he's got a suitcase of money. And nobody knows what on earth is going on. And it's quite interesting because at the beginning of it, you think, oh, I'm with the doctor. This is weird. Yeah. This guy's being difficult. You can't just go to a hospital. And the interesting thing about covering this story now is that obviously it's completely absurd. Hospitals are like, you do not go to hospital if yeah. you're completely well. It doesn't matter how rich you are. Um, but <laughs> then you end up rather sympathizing with John in the end. Like you mm. understand why he's there and he's just an elderly man. And he wants, he wants a head holiday. He's in desperate need of mm. escape. Um, there's a really good soundtrack. There's some really good um, sound effects, great facial expressions. It was very minimalistic. So the background, what they've done, they were all at home, the actors. They're all in black. They're all wearing black. And the background behind them, they've done this clever thing. Have you seen it on a Zoom meeting where you can cut out the bodies? I have, yes. But all of their background is black. So it's not distracting in any yeah. way. So you, you're just looking at the mm. acting and you've got the four actors on the screen at the same time. Um, and it was, it, it, it was a brilliant, it was a brilliant experience. It was just half an hour. Great. Um, so it's it not was a massive really commitment. Yeah. It's not a massive commitment. And I thought, well, the money's going to charity. I think the tickets were something like 10 to 20 quid. Um, That's what depending. I was going to say, how, how much is it? But um, it, depending it, on where you were sat. Yeah, well, they did sort of say, I think it was more about the donation to the charity. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, what, what, quid, what yeah. do you want to give? But the Felix Project, it was interesting because when that name came up, I was like, oh, I've just seen something on the Felix Project. And I follow Jack Whitehall. Do you follow him on Twitter I don't, or Instagram? No, no. Oh, he's funny. Is he? Are you sure about that? He is funny. Okay. Do you not like him because he's posh? 
I don't know. I just, I mean, I've seen bits of his stand-up and I just thought, yeah, Fuck. I've seen it, seen it all before. Like, But my kids love Bad Education. They love him. He does a good job at the Brits and all that kind of stuff, but he's not he's really... He's great at the Brits, he's, isn't he? Yeah, but he's, he's not my kind of comedian, I don't no. know. But, and, well, he, I, my kids absolutely love him. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I sort of know him, but I sort of know him. And he did a thing where he was out with a charity the other day, and I thought it was going to be funny. And then I was watching, and I was like, oh, this isn't funny. This is serious. He was out helping the Felix Project. Oh, uh, okay. So I watched it all the <laughs> way through. I mean, there were some frightening stats on the Felix Project's website. One and a half million adults struggle to afford to eat and 400,000 kids are at risk of not getting their next meal. And that is only in London. Jesus Christ. Yeah, God. So this this is a London-based food redistribution charity um, set up in uh, 2016. And basically it tackles both of those Mm. issues of redistributing food. So I thought... Well, the Felix, Felix Project, this is destiny. Mm-hmm. I'll pay full whack. Well um, yeah. And, um, yeah, good. We can, we can watch it. But if, if follow Eventbrite, if anything like that comes up again. I did notice some. And you can afford it. Do it for the, do it. Do it yeah. for the gas. It's really good. Um, I noticed that the, the Fleabag play, Amazon Prime, were putting that out. You could pay to watch the, the performance of Fleabag. You know, it was a one-woman show before it became a TV show. And I thought, oh, that would be a good thing to do. I never saw the, the one-woman show. Um, but it, uh, we both loved Fleabag. I mean, the world oh. loved, loved Fleabag. There's not a lot else to, we could say about that. But um, I'd like to see its origins, you know. So um, I don't know if that's still on Amazon Prime or not, but that would be worth a, a watch as well, I think. Maybe we could watch that together. Yes. Um, that'd be nice. I'd be very keen Let to me know. See that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it sounds great, and I love David Morrissey. When I was a kid he's growing up, yeah, he was so in a... So good. He he's was in great a, in this. He's great in everything. He did this thing called Blackpool a few years ago. I don't know if you saw it. It was like a four-part drama. I with heard him about David, it. And it was a musical drama, basically. So he sang and danced really? in it. Yeah, yeah. And David Tennant did as well. So you'd have the drama and <gasps> everything, and then all of a sudden they'd burst into song, there'd be a dance routine, and then they'd go back into the drama. Um, but what it was, was that on? BBC. I'm pretty sure it was BBC One. <gasps> Do you think we might be able to find it on the iPlayer? Yeah. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, let's have a look. Um, it's be on BritBox if it's not there, because I think they're starting to upload all the old stuff. But I remember thinking... Have God, you got guys, BritBox? What I haven't. Brit? 
Um, Do it's, we have to pay for BritBox? Yes, it's a, another oh. subscription thingy. It's what they had in America. But it, it's ITV and the BBC have got together and created BritBox. Yes, I, I knew that, um, but I didn't know yeah. like so it, it was happening. And it's happened. So the app's on my TV. I can I can get it now, I think. I don't know how much it is. But There's so many subscriptions. I tell you, we could yes. be spending thousands well, the, of pounds a month. We're going to have to start choosing carefully. Mm, the problem with the BBC, of course, is that we've already paid for our licence fee. And now you're asking for, you know, what, another six pounds a month to watch content that we've arguably yeah. paid for. But they are going to start making exclusive content for BritBox. So you won't get it as part of your... your um, um, license fee which also feels like a slight That's stab a in the bit, back you know, I but, know it is but a little in bit. fairness to the bbc they have to find a way to fund themselves and they're being crushed i think by um various government policy i think uh, they're gonna really struggle over the next 10 years the bbc they've got to find a way to to make money yeah they've got to find a way to make money to stay alive i think and i really hope they do because what a service um well, that was really uh, that's really interesting. I was going to say about David Morrissey when I was growing up. There was this two-part drama on the telly called One Summer, and it was these two boys called Billy and Icky who were sixth-formers in a school in Liverpool, and they run away from home, and um, they meet a guy, a lonely guy, I think he was an artist called Kermit, and he takes them in. But of course, Kermit's on the. I think he might be on the register, the sex offenders register. Oh God! And he is kind of holding up these two young men um but it was an absolutely brilliant film we we taped it on vhs it must have come out about 1982 because that's when we got our first vhs player and we recorded it and me and my mate danny watched it virtually every day we were obsessed with this idea this romance so it's a idea. film no it's a two-part drama so i say it's two one hours pretty sure it was on the bbc but it could have been channel four when it launched but they were called billy and icky and there was a bit where they go. Are we ever going to find that? We're never going to find uh, yeah, that. Yeah, I think there's bits of it on YouTube because I found the trailer for it and a few other bits and pieces on YouTube. But I met David Morrissey not long ago and I told him about it and he said, wow, you know, so that was right at the beginning of my career that. Um, I don't know what happened to the other guy because he was fantastic as well, but I think he gave up acting. But it was called One Summer. Um, and ju I, I'm just saying it because there might be people listening to this that will remember it. And it's such a wonderful memory, I think, that programme. It was I love the fact that you remember the year that you got a VHS player. Well, you know why? Because no. it was World Cup 1982. And my dad had hired it from Rumble Laws or whatever it's called <laughs> to tape some of the matches. And I was like, thank God for the World Cup because we've got a VHS player. We were the second person, people on our estate to get one. And uh, God, I was so excited about it. <laughs> we recorded everything. 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 And do you remember that thing of when somebody recorded over something really precious? Like, Well, do I? Because I had a fantastic video of me when I was breakdancing at my peak back in probably about 1983. I was the under-14s UK breakdancing champion. And we hired a videographer to come from Rumbleos with a camera and film us all. And we had the most amazing video. It was about an hour and a half of it, of all, me at my peak, like I was amazing. And somebody's mum recorded over it with bloody Coronation Street. And that was it. It's never to be seen again. Oh. I know. It's not like nowadays where you can go into the trash and pull it out. So it was, it's heartbreaking that that video has gone. All of us on Facebook every so often go, God, I wish we had that video. We were so good. Today, I listened to two of my um, journalistic heroes uh, together. Dare I say they are rivals, 
Uh, they have been lifelong career rivals. They discuss it uh, in this podcast. Um, and it is Louis Theroux Ooh. and John Ronson. Great. Oh, my God. It's yeah, so two good. Of my favourites. What, yeah. what, what, what podcast are you talking about? It's called Grounded with Louis Theroux. My name's Louis Theroux. I'm doing a new podcast for Radio 4. It's called Grounded with Louis Theroux. I've assembled a series of interviews from my own home. For some episodes, I may even be in my pyjamas. I'll be talking to people that I find interesting, people whose work I admire, people who, in normal circumstances, I might not have a chance to speak to. So basically, he is talking to... Um, his favourite people. So his first one is with John Ronson. I think the next one that I saw that he's recorded is with Boy George, and that will be really good uh, okay, as yes, well. Great. George is always a great interview, such a colourful life. He is, George is very honest, yeah. brutally honest, but I love that. Mm. Um, and he has been to Helen back in his life, but what a career that man's had. But anyway, John Ronson... I discovered very late in life. Um, I had read things that he'd written in the past, but the name hadn't really stuck with me. But the time I properly discovered him was when I read The Psychopath Test. So I was really late to the game. He'd written loads of books. But what I couldn't believe was John Ronson's voice. Yes. When I first heard John Ronson, his voice, I was like, oh my God, that's John Ronson's voice. It didn't Yes, go with it didn't fit at all and now i love his voice so much yeah it makes me laugh the way he speaks is so good he uses it and, really well doesn't he the voice oh he knows how to so use good yeah. but him and louis theroux they have an honesty to them that is mm -hmm. so especially louis it's extremely disarming so when Louis talks to John, he goes, you know, um, obviously we had a sort of rivalry and I was ashamed of it because I really, and they really do oh, dissect their rivalry and talk about it. And they talk about how at one stage, one is always higher in the pecking order than the other. And yeah. Louis felt that in the noughties, Louis was higher but that John had overtaken him in the pecking order. Yep. And John now had broken America in a way that Louis hadn't. Mm -hmm. And John, in fact, is living um, in, in New, New York, York and has yeah. just been naturalized. Natural. He's been made an American citizen. Okay. And uh, he was one of the last people before lockdown Damn. to be made an American citizen. Um, so they were very honest about that. But the first, I've, I took a picture of myself while I was listening to this podcast this morning so I can post it because I'm really laughing. Because firstly, hearing the two voices together is amazing. Yeah. But secondly, they start talking about life in lockdown mm. and being with their wives and what's happening and the kind of arguments that you get. And Louis Threw talks about an argument about an avocado. And he was saying, of course, the argument wasn't really about the avocado. Oh, of course. It was yeah. about autonomy. Yeah. And it was about 
if I want the avocado, I want to be able to eat the avocado. I don't want you to tell me what to do. <laughs> I just started really laughing because I was like, it's never about the avocado. Avocado, no, it's, the it's argument's about, never about the argument. It's about I, a battle of power. Yeah. And, you know, I get to tell you what to do. That kind of male-female thing of yeah, yeah. The that kind of energy. Yeah. And... That's fascinating, brilliant. It, yeah, it made me really, really so, giggle a lot. Grounded with Louis. Grounded. Thoreau. Okay. Well, uh, oh, and the other thing that mm -hmm. they covered that I found fascinating was um, John Ronson talked very honestly about his um, types of anxiety that he gets. He catastrophizes a lot, and he said that actually people with this kind of catastrophizing anxiety are coping with lockdown quite well because. Their mindset is, this is what I've been preparing for. Okay, I was right. You know, when he right. went to the kids' yeah. school, um, his kids' school, and he knocked on the door and there was no answer, he immediately, this was before lockdown, he immediately thought there'd been a terrorist attack and they'd all been gassed with some gas and they were dead. Yeah. So when this lockdown thing happened, he thought, he went very calm. He thought, I've prepared for this yeah. with all my catastrophizing. Yeah. I'm just going to be very calm. This is the catastrophe I've been waiting for. I know what to do emotionally. And he said, it's funny how that people with anxiety often in really, really terrible yeah. situations become very calm. Oh God, I mean, that's not necessarily good, is it? I don't think. It's not, but it's, yeah, it's probably it's really quite comforting for people with anxiety because they for one minute get some yeah. respite. Well, it was, it's like uh, it, it's some kind of confirmation, isn't it? That I, mm. I, was, I was right all along and knew there was mm. a catastrophe waiting to happen. It's like, it was on Spike Milliken's gravestone where it says, I told you I was ill. Yes. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's true or not, because I think somebody said, I've seen Spike Milliken's Please. grave, it doesn't say that on it. Please let that but, be um, true. Maybe, maybe somebody could uh, point in the right direction of that. Um, did you, you haven't got around to listening to the John Ronson thing that I put you on to. Um, the thing about when he was bullied at school on Radio 4. Um, no, because then no. I got lost in... Yeah, no, that's all right. ...shamed on the podcast. It, it's, um, probably it's probably a 20-minute story somewhere in the mix, but um, I think we, I think probably two weeks ago, episode 15 or something, you might find that in the Entail app, but it's a really brilliant story. And it was, that was his introduction to, to his voice to me, was through that. And uh, I remember thinking, wow, it's such a gentle voice so i'm gonna i'm definitely gonna do that you'll really like it because it's just yeah. a brilliant example of how men behave largely um pancake mix i bought yes. some pancake mix from sainsbury's I'm, I'm gonna recommend this to people now i am aware that it's flawed slightly but me and the kids were just wandering around looking for something to buy and occupy ourselves the kids have made cakes and pancakes and all sorts of things but god what a mess they make of the kitchen so this stuff is just a plastic bottle with mix in it. You put 200 mils of water in it and you shake it and then you pour it into a pan in obviously small amounts and make pancakes. We've had pancakes for the last two days. And um, <laughs> Have you not ever seen that before? Yes, I have, but I've just forgotten about it. So it's not like I'm unearthing something amazing for people here. I'm just reminding them. No, but I like the fact that, that I, was, quite... I was like amazed that you hadn't discovered that before. I think I probably discovered it five or six years ago, but I haven't seen it mm. since. And I was just wandering the aisles looking for flour, probably. And I thought, oh, pancake mix. And then I thought, oh, that'll be fun. Let's make a whole mixture of pancakes. So I bought two bottles. Did you go American pancake or crepe? 
Um, I always go crepe. I like thin and crispy. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't like big doughy things, really. So, um, I mean, I don't... What do you have with your pancake? Mine. Well, I like uh, smoked bacon and syrup, blueberries, um, banana. I, I do a banana in the frying pan. Because that's interesting, because that's the full American. I know it is. I just don't, don't like the big the, doughy yeah, pancakes. I mean, it's not that I don't like them. I will eat them, but I love thin and crispy. You know, like pizza, thin and crispy. Don't give me deep pan. Deep pan's an invention that should never have been made. Um, I don't want doughy, thick stodgy stuff thin and crispy all the way well, i guess like a Bit really like good pan a really good american pancake should be really light and fluffy yeah totally i mean i've probably just never had a really good american pancake uh, do you know um, what that is for me yeah a challenge great okay well I, you know <laughs> I, you should rise to that challenge and i shall and review so it the pancake podcast yeah so yes, we've been eating pancakes. So I do, I love it. I love fruit in there. What I did with this, because this mix, obviously it's pre-mixed. So you just chuck water in it, it makes it it's a little bit salty for me. There's something salty in there, which is all right, but it's not, it's not got a dessert type flavor to it. So I thought, well, I know what I'll do. So I poured the mix in the frying pan and then I took a sprinkle of sugar and then I sprinkled oh, sugar God. on the wet side of the frying pan, right? So on the wet side of the pancake, then once it had, browned underneath i flipped the pancake and then obviously you've got sugar and pancake mix cooking together and i was like bloody hell and i could smell this like caramelly smell i was thinking oh my god this is going to be amazing and then i flipped it out into the pan and so what you've got is a pancake and on one side it's like the top of a creme brulee you know it's like crispy crystallized sugar then you chuck on the smoked bacon then a few strawberries and a few other bits and pieces oh my god god <laughs> It was this amazing. This podcast is perfect because you and I are like you say tomato and I say tomato. Yeah. Um, I say sugar and you say what? No. Sugar. No. <laughs> um, Holly makes. I'm, I'm, the next time I see you, yes. um, Holly makes an amazing sugar-free American banana pancake. Sugar-free American banana pancake. Okay, great. You, you will love it Good. with maple syrup and bacon. Unfricking believable. Yeah. I mean, the, you know. So I, I don't know why I'm saying all that about sugar because maple syrup yeah. is basically, you know, natural yeah. sugar. But um, yeah. Um, but that sounds amazing. It is sounds amazing. It is easy. And it's something fun. It's something that a five-year-old could do. It's totally shaky. fun. Yeah. I would say there's a, a you know an abusive amount of plastic being used in this product that I am not you know a, a, happy with endorsing in any way shape or form. Mm. I don't know why it's not in some kind of cardboard box or something. It's all mm. big powder for God's sake. Um, so you know I, I realise that there's lots of downsides to this stuff, but um, but the, the plastic you know. should be recyclable. Yeah, it w yeah, it would be recyclable. I'm sure. Yeah, hundred percent sure that be. it is. Um, but it was just a bit of fun, and I thought I'd just mention it just in case anyone was wandering the aisles of Sainsbury's and thinking, what could we do that would be a bit of fun, especially if you've got small children. I'm going to tell you something very quickly. Please, yeah. So, because uh, it's something we've talked about earlier, mm -hmm. and um, I, I know that in these days of journalism and magazines and online magazines and newspapers and all the different newspapers... Um, that really I only ever buy a Sunday newspaper and I mainly buy the Sunday Times because of the magazines. I yes. really like the it's Sunday Times magazine. I really yeah. like the culture mm. section of the Sunday Times and I really enjoy the style section. Although I, I 
my relationship with fashion's gone really weird. But anyway, that's another conversation to have. But the Week magazine is <gasps> the best magazine to read if you want to get a really good, varied look at all the newspapers. So, Michael, what it does yes. is it takes, it will look at this week's stories on the first two or three pages and it'll say, say for example, Trump talking about um, Disinfecting. using some kind of bleach or something <laughs> um, to kill the coronavirus. And it will tell you the Guardian's opinion, the Times opinion, the Sun's opinion. The next one will tell you the Mail's opinion, that it will take bits from commentators, mm. from editors, from all the newspapers, and then it kind of gives you a summary. Okay. It gives you good week four, bad week four. It gives you um, sign of the time stuff, which is political correctness gone mad, where something okay. really fun yes. has happened, where you think, what? Yeah. Um, there's another section which is really good, which is um, for people who have um, everything. So it'll be some ridiculous g gadget. Okay. But you'll oh, yeah, be like, yeah. oh my God, that's so great. Yeah. You know, like the surfboard which hovers got an engine in it yeah yeah like so okay. weird stuff yeah brilliant um but it really does give you a sort of intelligent and independent view of the news and what i like is that you feel like you're getting it from all sides i i i don't like reading a paper which i feel is too far left too far right i do like to feel like i'm getting a bit of both i want to hear both sides of the story and form my own opinion which i know you you feel yes, the same. Absolutely. It's got 356,000 subscribers. That's a lot. Jesus, that's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's a lot. Now, what I love about it is it comes in a tiny magazine. Okay. So it's kind of the size of um, like comic a, or something. A, a comic, exactly. Yeah. It's not too thick. For a commuter, it's perfect. Easy. It's like the big mm. issue, that sort of size. Mm. You can wrap it up, you can stuff it in a bag, you can put it in your back pocket. It's, it's, it is the type of magazine that you will read every single word from cover to cover. Even, I mean, I'm not saying this to you, but for me, even yeah. the business section yeah. is interesting. Mm -hmm. There is no excess fat on it. It ah, is okay. all lean news that is useful. And it's seven days worth of news. Um, and it is very good value for money. I just quickly want to tell you about Felix. Oh, 51 issues. So... It's out weekly, so this is like a your first six issues are free. Oh, are they? Yeah. Oh, great. Fifty-one issues is one hundred and twenty-seven pounds forty-nine. I worked that out. It's roughly two pounds fifty a mag. Okay. I mean, that's all right, isn't it? It's really good, though. Yeah. It's okay. So brilliant. Well, consider it it's done. It's got property gonna... in there. It's got. Yeah. It's got everything in there. Now it started by Felix Dennis. And um, he sadly passed away on the 22nd of June, 2014. But in a nutshell, he was a complete maverick, an amazing man. Mm -hmm. He was very famous because he started this magazine called Oz Magazine. And one year he got some fifth formers and sixth formers to edit the magazine. And they did a porno Rupert the Bear type thing. And it got taken to court for <laughs> pornography. <laughs> and, being, and they basically, I think they went to prison and it was called the Oz Trials. It was massive i mean when you think about viz now it was like viz but in the 70s yes and people were up in arms about it and he came out and immediately started a publishing company but he did maxim he did, oh, he, yeah, did he did 
he did hundreds of magazines, but at the heart of it, he was passionate about trees. He has planted over a million saplings. Wow. He bought up 3,000 acres of land mm -hmm. and planted over a million saplings. Oh, and it yeah. was called um, the For Forest of Dennis, but then he changed it in 2011 um, to the Heart of England Forest. Surely and it it's basically forest. its mission is the plantation, replantation, conservation and establishment of trees for the benefit of the public, together with the education of the public um, in the appreciation of trees. So he also started a magazine about appreciating trees. Oh, wow. God, that sounds I, great. He, I did have the great um, privilege of sort of being in touch with him a little bit okay. before he died. Um, he was an amazing man. A real maverick. Yeah. So yeah, again, it's another great. reason why I love supporting that magazine. Cause well, I just I him. yeah, I, I'm definitely, definitely keen. A friend of mine said he'd subscribed to The Economist and was really enjoying that as well. So um, I don't, I don't know a lot about that, but um, I'd quite like to have a little, little read of that as well. But the week, it's quite. I always want to call it this week, but that's the Andrew Neil Politics Show, I think. The week. The week. Six weeks free. Um, AirPods Pro. I bought some yes. AirPods Pro recently. You're not so wearing them. I'm not wearing them, no. Um, mainly because I think for recording this podcast, this is the, these little wired headphones I think are the best thing. But um, I lost my normal AirPods. Normal AirPods yeah. are about £149. Um, you introduced AirPods. me to AirPods, the whole concept of AirPods. Fantastic. Why do you love them? Well, I think it's just because you you're, um, you freed your hands up. Right. So you, the phone can live in your pocket. You can control what you're listening to by tapping the headphones. You can answer calls, stop calls, start and stop music, put the music onto the next track. You can ask Siri if you want to ask Siri anything. I'm always worried that everything's going to come to life when I say Siri. It's like saying Alexa. Um, uh, yes, I know. Um, so <laughs> they were just a, a game changer. Really. And they sat in your ears quite nicely. I, they never fell out. I never was in a situation where they dropped out of my ears. Even if I was doing yoga handstands or something like that, they didn't drop out. And of course, they weren't sealed in your ears. They just rested in your ears. So you could still hear the outside world. So they, yes, were, they were just good all around headphones. Mm. It's funny, I lost them. Can you believe I lost them on lockdown? I haven't left this bloody house, but I've lost them. I don't know where. That's so weird. I, I, they might have dropped out of the car when I went shopping or something like that. But I was like, oh, God, you know, anyway. I mean, three days I was just done. I could not live without the AirPods. But I realized these AirPod Pros have come out, which are now £249. So yeah. And I thought, well, I loved the, the AirPods so much. Um, I hadn't treated myself to anything for ages. And I thought, well, I'm going to buy a new set anyway. Why don't I go for the Pros, the AirPod Pros? So I did. And there's a couple of functions in there. One is that they're noise cancelling. So they cut out background noise and give you a pure sound, which is pretty amazing. And then two, they have this thing called transparency. So they work like little hearing aids where they amplify the sound outside your ears because these AirPods, they seal into your ears with rubber silicon-like plugs. So they're a bit like earplugs. You push them in your ears, but you can put them... Which is great if you're running or something, because I've loved them for running and Fantastic. listening to loud music when you're running. Yeah. And that kind of thing they're great for. Yeah, or, or not that we're doing this, but if you're on a plane or a train or in a car, that's oh, a little yeah. bit noisy. 
You can totally. cut out all that noise. Even if you're not listening to anything, you can cut out yep. the noise and you get yep. peaceful silence in your ears. So yep. that, is, that is good. And then obviously the sound of, of them, whatever you're playing through it, is exceptional. You get amazing sound quality through them. But I have to say, if I, if I could go back, I would go back and just get the normal AirPods. I think I don't think these are for me. There's too much of a barrier between me and the outside world now, even mm. with the transparency feature on. I can feel a block. There's a block between what, what my ears can hear and then what I'm seeing or doing. And there's something about it that I don't really like. I think if I'm just led in bed listening to music, absolutely brilliant, listening to YouTube or on telly, but to be moving around and have other people in the house, uh, I, I just feel like I'm slightly underwater. Um, so if my recommendation to people would be, I mean, try them by all means, they might be for you, but um, the other AirPods are perfectly brilliant and I probably don't think they're worth the extra hundred pounds. And my opinion as a different person yeah. is that as an exerciser and a jogger and a listener of loud music, I actually prefer them. Do you? Okay. For exercise and stuff. And I think because I had never really wore my AirPods as much as you did mm -hmm. when I had them and I too, well, I lost one. Yeah. <laughs> really annoying. Um, that I have in lockdown listened or used my AirPods a lot more. And since you taught me how to turn off the, the um, complete soundproof thing. Yes. Okay. And now that I can actually hear my own voice. Yeah. I'm enjoying them a lot more. And I wear them around the house. I wear them to clean the house, Hoover. Okay. I, listen to, I listen to podcasts all the time. Mm -hmm. um, me too. And, and I agree with all that. It's the, it's the fact that they're plugged into my ears. There's a blockage between my ears and the mm. outside world. And, I feel that's a bit a bit weird, but a bit like you, they are in my ears all day. But if I feel like I need, like there's something heavy on me, you know, like I need to get it off mm. me, you know. But um, how long have you had them? Two weeks, I'd say. That's well, quite a long time. Yeah, I, thought, I, mean, I was going to say, oh, you're going to get used to them, but yeah. you'd be used to them by now. I, know, I, thought I, I really like mine. Yeah, good, good, and, and mm. they are good. And you know, I've got lots of people uh, telling us on the making the cook page, why don't we review the AirPod Pros? So that's why I've mentioned it, but. I th I, they are obviously a brilliant bit of technology and you can touch these ones and to, to make them do different things. You know, you hold them and squeeze the ear earbud itself. Yeah, which is what you told me about. <laughs> yeah, you can put transparency on, you can put noise cancelling on. If you touch them once or twice, you can bump to the next track and change uh, whether you take a call or, or end a call. So there, there's lots of great things about them. And the case is a bit bigger, so I think you get more battery life out of them than the old ones as well. Um, but they're beautifully designed things. But um, you know, if you're worried about money, but you really want to set, I, I, I wouldn't worry too much. No. For me personally, no. I'm with the AirPods. They're fantastic. Now, we've done an hour. I was going to talk about this one other film um, because I was going to recommend it to you to watch because um, you've not seen it. But do you, is there anything you want to, to talk about before we wrap up? No, I mean, I, I'm going to save stuff for another time. Save I'll tell you what that. I'm going to do. I'm just going to say it's called... Do you know I've been searching for it on IMDb this morning just to do a bit of research and I kept calling it the wrong thing. I've called it extradition. <laughs> extraction. And it's actually called extraction. Um, extraction. There it is. Now, uh, I'm basically just going to say it's on Netflix 
Um, it's one hour 56. It, caught, it scores 6.8, which is rubbish. It should be at like 7.5. Um, it's only just come out. It's been the biggest uh, hit that Netflix has ever put out, apparently, um, w within its first, really? first week of going out. It's number one around the world on Netflix all over the world. It's Chris Hemsworth, as we all know, as Thor. Oh, well, hello. Okay. From, um, from you that. have me at Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, and it's been directed by a guy called Sam Hargrave. Now, Sam Hargrave, is a stunt coordinator and worked on all the Avengers films and okay. Deadpool. Um, he has directed this, and the film is essentially one huge continuous stunt. It is the most exciting thing I've seen since Mission Impossible. It's relentless. This is an extraction. So who are the players? Biggest drug lord in India versus biggest drug lord in Bangladesh. Some <laughs> mythic shit, huh? It's a kidnapping. Drug Lord's son. Clock's running at 16 hours. Proof of life as of six hours ago. And they have those huge non-stop scenes where you go for 20 minutes with the camera and a POV and you're just following relentless action with uncut footage. You want to survive, you do exactly as I say. Who are you? Name? Oh, wow, what a what a roller coaster of excitement. You know, so if you've seen it bumbling around on Netflix, you think, well, maybe I'll watch that. Just watch it. I mean, I watched it with You know my who'd love son. that? Your son. Cheryl. Ah, <gasps> Cheryl. Right, okay. That's I'm going to quickly tell everybody who Cheryl is. Cheryl yeah. is my yeah. makeup artist. Yes. She is the most badass 70-year-old I have. Oh, she won't mind me saying well, her age. Yeah. Okay. She might do. But anyway, she is so badass, isn't she? She is the funniest, like yes. most experienced. She's worked with Bailey. She's worked with all the great photographers. Yeah. She oh, is, she's lived a life. She's hilarious. We miss her so much. Oh, God, yeah. In yeah. lockdown. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, but she loves a horrific action movie like blood guts totally. like go 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 doesn't she she's always either reading a lee child book or the <laughs> the born series books she loves any she's action love films this. with mark Wahlberg. i mean it is a cracking action film i i can't remember seeing such good stunts and such i'm gonna watch it tonight yeah, well you won't be disappointed it's really good so um give it a whirl folks it's on netflix it's called extraction with chris hemsworth and it is non-stop action stories a bit weak you know, and it's full of holes and everything, but don't worry about that. Just allow the film to wash over you. It is glorious. Um, that's been great. It's been good fun, that. An hour and five minutes, I think, we've managed to wrap I cherish up. these moments. Yeah, no, it's great, aren't they? Um, and I'm I don't know what I'd do without this podcast. <laughs> I know. Well, it's that thing where it's giving our lives some structure. Like, we have something to research, something to do. We've got allotted time of when we record it. And we're doing a live every Monday at 2.30 and a live show every Wednesday at 2.30 on our page, Making the Cut at Instagram Live. So you can come and watch us actually do a little half-hour abridged version of this podcast. <laughs> um, and I, I've, got, I've still got four other things on the list, so um, it's really good. But I'm going to do in the lives tomorrow because I need to do a live demonstration of a kitchen, a kitchen utensil that you don't seem to have because I've scoured your kitchen for this utensil. Um, and I can't believe you don't have one because I probably use this at least four times a week. And you're the kitchen girl. You should have one of these things. 
I need um, one. Yeah, I, um, I have actually. I mean, bought... that little mini sieve, best thing you've ever given me. Right. My poached eggs were on point. Absolutely. So I'm no, looking I... forward to hearing this. Yes, I have got one. Uh, I bought one and put it in your flat. That's happened. Um, but your oh. house down there, you don't have one. I maybe have to send no. you. No. But um, I'm going to show you that tomorrow one. live. <gasps> Um, just so you know, this goes out on Friday, folks, uh, and it is my birthday on Saturday. So if you could send me messages to making the cut, please, of, of birthday wishes to me, that would do wonders for my self-esteem. Happy right birthday now. for Saturday, yeah. Michael. Uh, so don't hesitate, please. Just shower me with love We're not going to hesitate. And, uh, We're going to shower you with love. <laughs> that, that would be that would be bloody lovely. <laughs> And um, I was just whizzing through Facebook before uh, I got on here, and somebody put a programming called Code 404. Have you ever heard of this? No. No, just jot it down. Code 404. It's got Stephen Graham in it. Stephen Graham, you know, is the Scouse actor who's in a lot of the Shane Meadows. Yeah, I love Stephen Graham. Yeah. And you'll notice the other actor in it as well, who's in lots of kind of BBC and ITV dramas and a few films and stuff like that. I can't remember his name. Cockney Gazer. Um, but all the people who posted this thing on Facebook just went binge watch 10 episodes, best thing I've seen on TV. Oh, really? Yeah, and I was like, well, I love both what? actors. Um, I, I actually just don't know. I was looking through and then we had to start the podcast. But, um, okay, so it's code I'll go and look it up. Yeah, but it looks great. Um, lots of love. Um, lots of love to all our lovely listeners. Um, I hope everybody's all right. And feel free to uh, interact with us on making the book. If you're listening to this on uh, iTunes, then try the Entail app. Download the Entail app, E-N-T-A-L-E, and you get an interactive experience of everything we talk about. Ta-da! Um, take care, everybody. We will speak to you very, very soon. Bye! When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.